Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Lord and God, we thank you for this day, the day that we call the first resurrection. We thank you that we can celebrate every Sunday because he lives. We pray that you would bless our time together as we open your word and study it. We pray that you would bring sinners to Christ and renew us as saints in your great sovereign Lord. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Mark chapter 16. And we'll begin reading with verse 1. Mark chapter 16, beginning with verse 1. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And early in entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in long white robes sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they lay him? But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you in Galilee. There you will see him, as he said to you. And they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now when he arose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. After that, he appeared in another form to to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest. But they did not believe either. Afterwards, he appeared to eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. As we have followed Jesus through his entrance into Jerusalem, the day that is called the great triumphant entry, The people praised him, sang hallelujah, because they thought that he was their earthly Messiah who had come. After the triumphant entry, we saw that Jesus entered into the tomb. He looked around, and after looking around and seeing all that was taking place, he left and went back to Bethany late that evening. On Monday morning, he went back to Jerusalem, and on the way, they saw the fig tree, the fruitless fig tree, And Jesus cursed it. And then they went into the temple for the second cleansing. The religious leaders were not pleased. And Mark tells us that the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him. So we see that the chief priests and the scribes were already planning to do whatever they could to destroy Jesus and put him to death. Now, on their way back to Bethany, the disciples saw that the fig tree had withered, and they asked Jesus about that. Peter pointed out that it had withered, and Jesus took that opportunity to teach them 
about faith, saying have faith in God, as well as about forgiveness. Now on Tuesday, Jesus returned to the temple, and it was a full day of teaching and answering the questions of the four main groups who questioned him. There were the Pharisees, and there were Herodians, Sadducees, and scribes who all had questions for Jesus. We know the first question they asked pertaining to the day before in cleansing the temple, and they asked him, by what authority do you do these things? And Jesus would not answer their question because they would not answer his question when he asked them. Then Jesus went on and he told the parable of the wicked vine dresser. And of course, the wicked vine dressers referred to the prophets and Jesus himself that the religious leaders had imprisoned and put the prophets to death as well as would seek to put Jesus himself to death. So he is predicting his death here on Tuesday. And it says in verse 12, they knew he had spoken the parable about them. Of course, that did not make the chief priests and the scribes very happy because they knew what he had said about them in front of the people. Now, the Pharisees asked him about the taxes, and the scribes asked him about the first and great commandment, and the Sadducees asked him about the resurrection. So after answering all their questions, we see that then he began to teach about how he fulfilled Psalms 110, that he was the Lord, that he was the Messiah. Of course, they rejected the truth that he was teaching them. And so he moves on to the court of the women, where he watched the widow put in two mites into the treasury, and he used her for another lesson to the people, especially to his disciples, about how she gave all that she had. After this event, he leaves the temple, and as they're leaving the temple, one of the disciples, we're not sure who it was, asked Jesus or spoke to Jesus about the magnificent temple that they had just left. And Jesus took that opportunity to tell them that the temple would be destroyed. When they reached the Mount of Olives, across from the temple, Peter, James, Andrew, and John privately asked him, about the temple and it being destroyed. And Jesus tells them about many things that will happen over the next 40 years before the temple is destroyed. Now as they return to Bethlehem, the religious leaders continue to plot to kill Jesus. And we see that Jesus continues to prepare himself for the Passover and his death. Because in two days, he knows that they will be putting him to death on the cross. And of course, Judas is scheming with the chief priest and the scribes about how he will betray Jesus and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the priest. They all are working together against Jesus. And it's the priest that says that we will pay you money to betray him. Now on Thursday, the disciples meet with Jesus in the upper room to observe the Passover. And at that particular time, Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. Of course, after the supper, we know that Judas leaves to betray Jesus, while the others go with him to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus says, you stay here and pray while I go further and pray. And that night, Jesus prays 
very fervently to the Lord that if it be his will to remove this cup, so be it. But he knew that it was God's will for him to suffer and die and rise again. As Jesus returned, he finds his disciples asleep and they could not pray with him for just that short time. And as a result of that, the chief priests and scribes with the soldiers come to arrest Jesus, and Judas betrays Jesus with the kiss. The rest of the night, of course, Jesus is escorted from the Sanhedrin to Pilate to Herod, then back to Pilate, and Pilate says that he can find nothing wrong with Jesus, that he had not done anything to deserve death. But Pilate turns him over to the religious leaders and says, Do with him as you so be. And therefore they had him beaten, they mocked him, and eventually they nailed him to the cross, then hung him between two criminals and left him to die as a sinner. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the entire earth until the ninth hour. Of course, that would be our time, 12 o'clock till 3 o'clock. And then Jesus finally cried, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last breath. His body is laid in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, and it is sealed, and they place two guards at the tomb to make sure that the body is not stolen and that it remains in the tomb. Of course, the religious leaders and the government leaders thought that that was the end of the story of Jesus, that Jesus was finally silenced, but not for long. For Mark gives us here in chapter 16 the witness of the resurrection of Jesus, which has been told over and over again, literally millions of times throughout the world. And it never grows old. As we gather this morning, our hearts rejoice again in this particular story. Each Lord's Day, we gather together to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. Now, first of all, we see in verses 1 through through 6, the women discover the empty tomb and hear a message from this angel. And it's a special message, and that special message is found there in verse 6. It says, He is risen, He is not here. But look at the previous verses. It begins there saying, Now when the Sabbath was passed. So we see that these women waited until the Sabbath was over. They had to, according to the uh, ceremonial law. They could not go to the tomb, so they waited until the Sabbath was over. But yet as early as possible on Sunday morning, they go to the tomb to embalm Jesus' body. It was just before daybreak. John says, while it was still dark. Of course, from Friday evening until Sunrise Sunday, it was dark, empty, and desperate days for all of the disciples. The disciples were hiding. They were fearful. They were afraid that they too would be arrested and possibly put to death. So from Friday evening to Sunday morning, these were difficult days for them. 
And then Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, we see in this particular passage, who were devoted followers of Jesus, were there at the tomb. They were the first to proclaim the resurrection. But this was, of course, not all of the women that went to the tomb. If you read the other Gospels, you find out that at least six women went to the tomb. There was four Marys that are mentioned in the Gospel, and then there was Joanna and Salome that is mentioned here in this particular passage. And there possibly were more women than that who were not mentioned, but these women brought spices to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body. And, of course, they asked a question, as we see here in the passage, who will roll the stone away from the door of the tomb for us? Now, this question clearly reveals that the women did not expect to find the stone removed from the tomb. It shows that the resurrection wasn't the product of some wishful thinking on their part. They did not expect it. They did not expect the stone to be removed. They did not expect Jesus to have come out of the grave. They were hoping that someone would be there to help them remove this stone so that they could anoint his body. We see in Matthew chapter 27 verses 65 through 66 and 28 verse 4 that it tells us there were guards set around the tomb. And then later we see that these guards after the resurrection went and told the religious leaders, the chief priests, what had happened and the chief priests paid them to keep silent. Now the stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out. But the stone was rolled away to let others in to see that Jesus had risen from the grave. And we see it says, a young man clothed in long white robes sitting there in verse 5. So the women saw this angelic being. Of course, they didn't understand that he was an angel. They saw him as a young man in human form who told them of the resurrection of Jesus. And he shows them the empty tomb. And he says, who was crucified, he is risen. So the angel reveals what Jesus was and what he is. He was, he was crucified beyond all doubt. He was dead. And when he was dead, they put his body in the tomb. But then he tells us that he's risen. So he was raised from the dead to die no more. And we see quite clearly that the resurrection is that of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is mentioned there. So the resurrection is just living again. It's living again in a new body, similar to our old body, perfectly suited for eternity. And one day we will be resurrected just as Christ was resurrected. But only Christ was resurrected at this time time. No one else had been resurrected because everyone that had been raised from the dead by Jesus died again. So this resurrection that Jesus experienced is completely different from the resurrection of those that he raised from the dead because his resurrection was eternal resurrection, which we will all experience at the second coming. Now, we should also remember to say that he is risen. 
He has ascended into heaven and he reigns as the resurrected God-man. He is still in the resurrected body that he left this earth in. And he reigns there on high. Now it says there in verse 6, Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. Now this isn't an exalted title. Nazareth, as we've seen also in the gospel, wasn't a place that was to be proud of. People didn't brag about being from Nazareth. The question was asked, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And then the word crucified was a shameful title, not one of honor. Yet Jesus Christ was not ashamed of these two titles, of being from Nazareth as well as crucified. Listen to what A.T. Robinson, the great Greek scholar, said. This description of his shame has become his crown of glory. For Paul and all who look to the crucified and risen Christ as Savior and Lord. And then the angel said, see the place where they laid him. Now the actual resurrection of Jesus Christ is nowhere described. We would love for the Gospels to have included that for us to see actually what took place. But it's nowhere described in Scripture. But yet we do see that the angel says, come and see the place where they laid him. So this discovery is a great discovery to see that he was no longer there. The ladies had intended to anoint his body, but his body was not there. It had come out of the grave. So those women are told to see the place where they laid him. Now it should have been enough to merely hear the testimony from the angel that he was not there. But when they saw it, it was a greater testimony Because it was an eyewitness testimony. Spurgeon says, One eyewitness is better than twenty ear witnesses. Men will believe what you have seen if they do not believe what you have heard. So when we see the place where they laid him, we see that the Father did not forsake our Lord, but he raised him from the grave. When we see the place where they laid him, we see that death is conquered by our Lord. When we see the place where they laid him, we see that we have a living Savior, a living friend in Jesus Christ. He is risen, as the gospel writer says. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is historical. There is no doubt that he came forth from the grave. And what it means can only be understood by reading what God's Word says. So what does the empty tomb of Jesus and His resurrection mean? Well, that's my second point that I want us to look at. I want, us, I want to mention quickly six wonderful truths of the resurrection that is given to us. The resurrection means... That Jesus was declared the Son of God, the Messiah with power, according to what the Holy Scripture says and the Spirit has revealed to us in Scripture by the resurrection from the dead. Paul refers to this in Romans chapter 1 when he says there in verse 4, 
and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. The resurrection means that we have assurance of our own resurrection. For if we believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again from the grave, even so God will bring him who sleeps in Jesus Christ alive. We see this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus So we likewise who believe in him are promised to be raised from the dead. The resurrection means that God has an eternal plan for these bodies of ours. We will have a new body, a glorified body. When he returns in his second coming, these bodies will be changed in the twinkling of an eye and we will receive a new body. The resurrection means that Jesus has a continuing ministry. He is saving to the utmost those who come to God through him, since he ever lives to make intercession for them. Christ raised from the dead went to sit at the right hand of the Father and intercedes on our behalf even at this very moment. The resurrection means that Christianity and And it's God or unique and totally different from all other religions. Christianity is the only religion that has a risen Savior, a risen Lord. And then the resurrection means that the Christ, the cross was the pavement for our sins. The empty tomb is a receipt proving that Christ paid the debt that we could not pay. And the proof that It was paid, was Jesus Christ willing to die on the cross like a common criminal. He actually died as a sinless man, even though he died between two sinners and was treated like a sinner. We see that Jesus' death on the cross was the payment, a payment in full for our sins. And the receipt of that payment is His resurrection, showing that the payment was perfect in the sight of God the Father, and He accepted that payment. Now thirdly, in verses 7 through 8, the angel gives a message to relay to the other disciples there. When he tells them to go tell, the angel gave the women a message to deliver. And we might think that this message was an invitation because through this message, the disciples were invited to come and see Jesus, to meet with him. Now, you can't help but think about what grace is revealed to us in this particular invitation. For the disciples had completely failed Jesus. They had deserted him on the night of his trials. They had deserted him on the day of his crucifixion. So therefore we could say he had every right to withdraw himself from them, to be done with them. But in grace we see that he extends this kind invitation to them to come and see him, to come and meet with him. Jesus always fulfills his part of an invitation. He said that he 
would meet with them in Galilee. And indeed he did. He was the first at the appointed meeting. It says, he is going before you into Galilee. So when Jesus invites, he reveals to sinners that they are able to see him. They are able to meet with him. And he keeps his promise. It says, as he said to you, who did he invite? Well, we see there that he invited the disciples and then specifically Peter. All of them had failed him, but especially Peter, because Peter was the one that boasted that he would never deny Jesus. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon says. Some say he distinguished Peter here because he is separated from the rest of the disciples in a sense that he is no longer among them. But I think he distinguishes Peter because he had special hope, special forgiveness, special restoration just for the one who had denied him the worst. And then it says, for they trembled. Listen to what J.P. Morgan says. The woman left the tomb and fled, seized with trembling and astonishment. The Greek word there is esclasy. Seized with trembling and esclasy. Filled with fear. So they fled. And then the scripture says, they said nothing to anyone. Now this doesn't mean that they did not report the resurrection to the other disciples. What it simply means is when they left the tomb, they did not discuss it among themselves. They tried to figure out in their own minds what they had seen. And then they simply obeyed the angel and went to tell the disciples. Now the appearance of the risen Lord there in verses 9 through 11, we see is an appearance to Mary Magdalene who Jesus had cast the demons out of. It says there, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. She supposed he was the gardener. We're told of that in John chapter 20, verses 11 through 18. It's fully described there on this particular occasion what happened. It says there, when they heard that he was alive, Jesus sent Mary Magdalene to tell the disciples that he had risen In that day, of course, a woman's testimony was not considered liable. They were not even able to go to court and testify for someone on their behalf. But yet we see that Jesus trusted her. And Jesus sent her to tell the disciples. But we see that the disciples did not believe her. And then in verses 12 and 13, we see he appeared to two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And they too returned to the other disciples and told them what they had experienced. But we see again that the disciples did not believe these two disciples. And then verses 14 through 18 tells us of another appearance of Jesus Christ to the disciples. And again, we see that they did not believe. At least 12 times... In the gospel and other epistles, we are told that Jesus appeared to disciples. Later, he appeared to the twelve as they were at the table. And in that particular appearance, he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe the other testimonies of the women and those Jesus had met with that he had risen from the dead. 
They should have done better. They did not understand, but that does not not neglect their responsibility to believe what Jesus had been teaching them for three years. Over and over again, Jesus told them that he had to go to Jerusalem and that he had to die and that he would rise again from the grave. But they did not remember those words that Jesus had told them. And then we see that Jesus says, Go into all the world and teach the gospel to every creature. Now in this, Jesus gave them this command to obey. This was a command. It was not a suggestion. He was telling them what the ministry would be for the rest of their life, of them going and telling of the resurrection. Ironside says... Interest in missions is not elective in God's university of grace. It is something in which every disciple is expected to major in. That means everyone who comes to know Jesus Christ has this responsibility of telling others about the risen Lord. The idea of a faith that would go into all the world wasn't a part of the Jewish thinking. During Jesus' time. It wasn't a part of the pagan thinking either. It was a revolutionary idea at this particular time. This command wasn't obeyed immediately though. For years the disciples stayed there in Jerusalem. And of course many were converted there in Jerusalem. It wasn't until the church began to be persecuted. That it began to go into all the world. And spread and continued To point out to others. He who believes is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. There in verse 16. Jesus gave them a promise of salvation. He gave them a warning. He didn't say that condemnation belonged to the one who was not baptized. He says, only to the one who does not believe, does not believe in Him as a resurrected Savior. We are to believe in Jesus Christ. We are to believe in His death, burial, and resurrection. No exceptions. Only those who believe in His death, burial, and resurrection are able to know Him as Lord and Savior. We are not to be like Thomas, even after all of the other disciples and all the other witnesses had spoken to him about the risen Lord, Thomas still did not believe. But when Jesus appeared to him and showed him his hands and his side and all of his wounds, Thomas cried out that he believed. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. In John 20, 29. Do you believe? without seeing the physical presence of Jesus Christ? Do you have eyes to see our Lord and Savior? It's sad that we cannot gather together corporately on this day and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but there are days in the future when we will gather again to celebrate His resurrection on each Sunday. It's sad that we are not gathered together to sing wonderful hymns, but I want to close with this hymn that we sing every Easter when we gather together. 
Christ the Lord is risen today. Alleluia. Sons of men and angels say, Alleluia. Raise your joy and triumph high. Alleluia. Sing ye hands and earth reply, Alleluia. Soar we now where Christ has led, Alleluia. Falling our exalted head, Alleluia. Made like Him, like Him we rise, Alleluia. Ours the cross, the grave, the sky, Alleluia. Father, we thank you for a risen Savior that we can believe in, that we can trust in. A Savior that has saved us from our sins. And may we be faithful to tell others about this great and glorious Savior. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.